you would all pray. And we're back with the next podcast episode of Let's Open the Bible. It's your boys, Gavin and Russ, again with you. Hello, Gavin. Hello. Good to see you today. Good to see you today. Yeah, not, not really. I was really just being nice. <laughs> Did I ever tell you that that, uh, that fascinates me, that there are two components to a language? You know, some people uh, work through this. There are two components to a language, the formal and then the heartfelt. So you can you, when you go out to eat at a restaurant, you can, you can hear it. Hi, I'm Gavin. I'll be your waiter. Can I take your order? Well, he knows the formal. He knows what he's supposed to say. It's good to see you tonight. Uh, may I take your order? But there's no there's no heart in it. And and for a genuine inter- interaction to take place, some people say it has to be both the formal. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? You know what you're supposed to say, you know. But but then there also has to be you have to be engaged and present in that conversation as well for it to be a genuine interaction. I don't know what I think about that, but it's just it's it. I love watching at a restaurant someone that's totally checked out. Oh, yeah. me up. See it all the time. Or or at a podcast when someone's totally hey, welcome back. That's you. Checked out. <laughs> I am. That's your street name. <laughs> checked out is my street name. Who that? That's checked out. <laughs> I got it at a grocery store. That's where I got that street name. Well, congratulations. <laughs> checked out. You paid too much. Yeah. All right. Would you like to use your discount card? Checked out. <laughs> I am the discount card. <laughs> oh no. And the warrior. Yeah. So listen, we're gonna we're gonna eventually we're gonna read uh, from uh, Jeremiah five verses eighteen and nineteen. But first, Gavin's gonna lead us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, and thank you again for for uh, be, just being uh, able to open up your word with Russ and to enjoy it. And I pray that we would enjoy it. Open the the eyes of our hearts, Heavenly Father, um, that we may behold you, and that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. We love you and thank you, and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, again, Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 18 begins, Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will not make a complete end of you, and it will be when you say, Why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? Then you shall answer them, Just as you have forsaken me and served foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve aliens in a land that is not yours. Nevertheless, of course, falling on the heels of just the devastation that takes place uh, or, or that God is, is telling them will take place as a result of their idolatry, the devastation of the Babylonians coming in, consuming their children, consuming the food, whatever, uh, whatever that looked like, destroying the fortified cities. Nevertheless, in those days, says the Lord, I will, make you a complete, I will not make a complete end of you. He's going to preserve a remnant. Which is always what he does. Yep. All right. He always leaves for himself a witness, mm-hmm. and and which is interesting. If if he preserves a remnant, why not preserve more? Or how? Who sets the boundaries on the number of the remnant? Well, who sets the boundaries of the seas of anything? Yeah, yeah. All right. I will not make a full end. Mm. That's good. All right. That's called mercy. Wow, that's the point of that verse right there. Yeah, the mercy of God. Because they were all guilty. It's not as though he's saying, okay, I'm going to separate the guilty ones from the not guilty ones, and I'm going to preserve the not guilty. That's not what he's saying. I will not utterly destroy you as a nation. Which screams, as you said, which screams mercy. Yep. Because they deserved annihilation. Yeah. I just want to visit this because, I, again, 
maybe it's it's a problem, maybe it's a, f- a fault of mine, but I, I do like listening to people that I even disagree with. But and I want to I want to wrestle with God through his word, submit to his word by the power of the Holy Spirit, letting it do a work. So I, I want to hear what they say, and then I want to humbly take it back to God's word and let him work through it, right? But somebody was was talking in, in one of the uh, things that I was listening to uh, about how he had never heard anything but that he was he was worthless. He was, you know, I... I and and to hear that God loves all people, and that that because you know that one guy was working through it, and he says, "Listen, because you are a part of creation, and God created all things. God loves all things and loves you, and He loves you as you are. He created you, and you are a part of that creation, and you are loved." And I go, "Well, in one sense, that's true, and absolutely. So, so we are image bearers of God. Every right. person is an image bearer of God that is due the respect of being an image bearer of God. So much so, as we talked about in Theology Tuesday last night, that if you would ever take the life of the image bearer of God, the only commensurate consequence, the punishment, the, is is the your life. Right. So if you shed man's blood, by man shall your uh, blood be shed, because you're the, for you are an image bearer of God. Right. And, and, and so life is important. There's a sanctity of life. There's a respect afforded to all people. So I, I get that. And God, that is true. And yet, and yet he just absolutely rebelled against the idea of wickedness or God's judgment or, um, you know, in Romans 3, they have become altogether worthless or, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Those were the things that just he pressed back against. And he said, that's all I heard growing up. That's all I heard growing up. Well, maybe that's true. And maybe you didn't hear the hope of life in Christ Jesus. Maybe you didn't hear that, you know, I have not seen or ear heard nor has entered into the heart of God, the uh, man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Maybe you haven't heard the joys of, of heaven or the hope that we have in Christ. Shame on that pastor and shame on me when I don't communicate that well. But the idea that that you're a good person and God loves you just the way you are without any calling for repentance and change, God has placed no demands on your life, goes against things like the 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 indicative and imperatives of Ephesians, where because God has done this, therefore this is a response to a holy God that has right. saved you. Ephesians two, yeah. Well, it's it's the the indicatives of Ephesians are Ephesians one through three. The imperatives that follow are four through six. Like right. because Ephesians one through three, chapters one through three has walk in, happened. Walk in the light. Walk, walk in, in the love. light. Yeah, yeah. Like you should be a different person. And 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 so here here you see that there's just condemnation on all people. And I think this pastor would have said, "I don't like that. I don't like that. I, I, I'm worthy. I'm good." Hmm. But that's not what you find in this text. There's, there's a just condemnation of all God's people, and yet he is merciful. And again, I know we said this before, he has provided a way of escape. Well, that's not fair. Everybody should have their own way of escape. I don't care if it's Buddha. I don't care if it's, it's uh, you know, Muhammad as a prophet. I don't care. Everybody should have a way of escape. No. The scandal is that God provided any way of escape, and he has provided one way of escape, and that is Christ and Christ alone. Yeah, he didn't have to do that. Right. He chose to do that. Right. And that, by definition, is called mercy. Right. A gracious gift of Christ is merciful. All right. Love how you pick that out. I might have just gone right by that. That's, that's good. And that's, that's a huge point to be made from that passage or that, that verse. Go ahead. And, uh, and it will be when you say, why does the Lord our God do all these things to us? And I just, you know, I think th- that's so us. 
you know, we rebel against God. We go our own way. We want that Burger King kind of life. We want to have it our way. And then when things, you know, when there's consequences to our choices, we shake our fist at God. Why? Why, why have you done this to me? Yeah, I think that needs to be fleshed out a little more, right? So, so what? I I don't know where to start with that. I, th- I think we need to start with that God, God is for us, not against us. Right. He has created the world in wisdom, right? The world runs according to God's plan, uh, and and if you want to. Th- to thrive in a thriving, being a value-laden word, if you want to to grow towards God, doesn't mean you're not going to be persecuted, doesn't mean everything's going to go swimmingly in, in your life, but if you want uh, lasting joy and if you want to be thriving, uh, to make progress, to be uh, going in the right direction, all of those are value-laden words implying that you're going towards God. If you want to do that, you follow, you, you obey God and his, his word, right? The problem is when you become your own God, and you think that because you are your own God, things should work out as you have intended, and you don't have that kind of authority. So you get in a relationship with a girl that is straight poison for you, and you enjoy the fleeting pleasure of sin, and because you're God, you have determined that's fine and that's right. You know, you have you are the one that now determines good from evil. You have taken of the tree of the fruit of good and evil. You have tasted it and said, Oh, I know what right and wrong is. And you have said that it is right for me to be in this relationship with a girl that is that is like bitter wormwood. She's sweet in the beginning. You've enjoyed the fleeting pleasure of sin, and she's bitter and you're not God. You can't control her. You can't make her do what you want. And now you're frustrated because you can't make people, you know, hop through your herbs because you're not God. Right. And then you wonder why all of this is happening. Well, God let you, you know. In, in this, I'm using very anthropomorphic language right here. God let you do what you wanted and turn you over to your wicked ways. Well, and to, to, now to enjoy the fruit of your, your labor. Two passages that come to my mind as you say that. Proverbs, there's a way that seems right to a man. It's, it's end is destruction. Amen. And Romans, where he turn, you know, turns you over to your own desires, yeah. your own carnality. And the, and the point of that, so that you will receive in yourself, and the King James says, the recompense of your error, which was meat. The ESV says the due penalty for your error, sin, something like that. So, yeah. And that, that's, that's what we see. Yeah. Wait a minute. This is what you wanted. <laughs> well, no, we don't want this. We want, we want the way we want it, but we want to be God enough to control the outcome. Right. It doesn't work that way. There's only one God. There is no other. There's no one like him. Well, and, and then and then the crazy thing, and I had this conversation this morning with somebody, we borrow from God's ethic to declare him unfair. We don't have our own ethic. We don't we we can't. No. There without God, truth is is almost an illusion. I mean, there, there he is the anchor of all things. He is the foundation for everything, including truth, reality, ethics. He is he is. I am that I am most profound statement in all of scripture. And, and so what we want to do is we want to become God, and then we're frustrated when we're not God. We want to become like God, and we say, okay, we want to be like God, so we'll take of the fruit. Well, that didn't work out well. Why? Because you're not God. That's man's oldest problem. Preach it. To be like God. Yeah. And and then the way that you get there is, did God really say? So I hope if this podcast does one thing, it's just to hammer those two point, points home. There are going to be two problems in your life, pride being central. I mean, there are a whole bunch of ways to, to, to kind of uh, frame this, and you can use a whole bunch of different words. But in, but in the end, uh, one of the ways to view this is the two problems of humanity. The, the, the core foundational problems are, did God really say, and I want to be like God. Yeah. I want to usurp his authority. I want to be my own God. I want to rebel. Hmm. And Adam and Eve, our first parents, uh, in their rebellion against God, were consigned to death. That's 
Rebellion against God leads to destruction and death. That's what we're going to cover tonight in 1 Samuel 20 and 21. Oh, I'm excited. <laughs> I can't wait. Isn't that that formal part where you left out the informal passion and interaction and engagement? I can't wait. No, I was just being disingenuous. Yes, that's what I said. Yeah. Oh, economy of words right there. <laughs> I was being disingenuous. And then I go ramble. All right, here we go. Back to it. So, and when your people say, I loved how you brought that out. This, this is the, the complaint. Why has the Lord our God done all these things to us? Then okay. you will, yeah. I mean, that's what that's we shake our fist. Okay, so what are you doing, God? So, so we and we acknowledge the sovereignty of God, and that that does bring a whole bunch of issues that could be discussed to bear. But here's the other thing: you've opened yourself up to these people, and I, I'm not I'm not removing God's sovereign hand over all of that. But let's just talk about from from especially from our perspective and and w- what they're seeing take place. You have opened yourself to this attack and welcomed it in in one sense by serving their deities. So that's what he's going to go on to say. Why has the Lord our God done all these things to us? You shall say to them, here's what here's the answer. As you have forsaken me, that's God, and serve foreign gods in your land, so you shall serve foreigners in the land that is not yours. Hmm. You want to serve their gods, serve them. Oh, you want to smoke cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> this is this what you want? Are you sure? Can I tell you, and, I, and and maybe maybe this I'll be on a parenting podcast one day explaining this, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Lord help us all. But occasionally, you know, one of my kids would say, "Well, I'm going to do this." And I go, and I would just look at him with a raised eyebrow. Do you want to do that? Is that what you want? And over time, your kids know, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, Dad, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I'm not talking about spanking or anything else. It's kind of like, do you want to smoke? Do, are you sure you want to? Oh, that's oh what no, you do. oh no. No, no, no. I don't want to do it. You know, can you imagine? Are you sure you want to serve other gods? Are you sure you want to serve other gods? If they had an ounce of respect for God or fear of God, right. to be a God-fearer, they right. would have been like, mm, no, I'm pretty sure I don't. But they go. But they gone. <laughs> but they go. But, but they go. Dag on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll give that a shot. Let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. You... When you ask why did it happen, say this is what you wanted. Well, and that goes back to the old the old saying: "Be careful what you ask for; you just might get and it." And the world understands that, right? But then they still, God, I don't understand. Yes, you do. Yeah. No, but but we willfully we have suppressed the truth by our unrighteousness. What did you expect? Yeah. Well, you yeah, we have suppressed the truth by our unrighteousness. Yeah. And and it is it is the proverbial problem or the or the perennial problem or the continual problem of of parenting. I know you don't want to you know I, I, with my kids. I want my kids to get married. Can't wait for them to get married. I'm not one of those that says, "Oh, you're not dating until you're 50 years old." I want them to marry a, a person for my daughters that'll take care of them, love them, lead them uh, in the Lord, that has an independent relationship with God and and cherishes them as as wives and brides. For my son, I want him to have a wife that is um, uh, a helpmeet to him, that encourages him and lifts him up in the ministry and in whatever that form that takes, whether that's uh, you know ministry in the workplace or ministry vocational ministry. I want uh, so I want those early. Um, but to sit there and say, Ooh, that woman, that man is poison for you. I want what's best for you. Right. And to have the kid go, Nope, I'm going to go down this path. Are you sure sure? you want to? I'm ready. Let's go down this path. I I literally have had 
children come up to me after their parents warn them not to marry this person and have to and, and say hey we need the church to help in the very things that the parent said if they marry that person this is going to happen he won't work he won't do this he won't do that the church needs to help out <coughs> yeah as you were describing your approach with your children i was thinking of somebody that in in uh in the church that I talked to about something, you know, some decisions this person was facing and, you know, I didn't say the words, are you sure you want to go down that path? But <laughs> it sure applied. That's and, a really helpful thing. Are you, go ahead. Sorry. And they, they went down that path and it was not what they thought. Okay. Two quick, two quick illustrations. One, Russ and I remember that cause I will forget it. But the other one is, is uh, for marital counseling right now. You know what I do? I don't know if I've told you this. I do this for marital counseling right now. What's that? Write down, and I'll just use Christy, so I'm not counseling you in marriage, but uh, uh, sorry, uh, pre-wedding counseling. The, the um, I'll say write down. So Russ and Christy come to me, and they, they're about to get married, and I'm counseling them. Write down three things that you don't like about your wife. And oftentimes when they're dating, they'll say, oh, I, I just love everything about her. Okay, then then just go to the depth of your imagination and write down the three things that you could see as potential problems, the three things that are most likely, and I'm telling you, it's almost always the problem in marriage. Well, she, you know, she's not as active as I am. Or, well, you know, he drinks a little. I'm telling you, when you get married, those very things... And before you're married, you're like, I want to go down this path. I want to go down this path. I can fix them. You know, there, there, there's yeah. a famous saying that men marry women thinking that they will stay the same. Women marry men thinking that they can change them and both are disappointed. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so uh, but I'll, I want to go down this path. I want to go down this path. I want to go down this path. And the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil are doing everything they can to get you sleeping together, living together, being together before you're married. And as soon as you're married, the world, the flesh, and the devil do everything they can to get you apart. You know. And so I have had two marriages that have broken up within a year and both of them were like I, I just can't do it anymore I just can't do it well yeah. you knew that going into it yeah, well, you sure you want this well and again to go back and to see those list of the things that are going to be the problem in your marriage and went before you're married I can't live without them I can't live without them and then after you're married those same three things and you're going I can't live with them I can't live with them right. it's crazy and then the other thing is um, you know most people don't listen to advice which is why um, I don't know about Two years ago, you, you told me something. I kept making excuses over stuff about scheduling and stuff like that. And I just realized I, I have become the person I counsel. Every suggestion from a wise person, you have a reason it's just not going to work. And so I decided I was going to listen to Russ. And, and not perfectly, but pretty pretty consistently. I've It's been a, a huge benefit overall, a huge benefit. But pretty consistently, I've not done the thing that you've encouraged me not to do. Very good. For scheduling. So that that's a time thing. Well, welcome to my TED Talk. Thank you for yeah. coming today. Yeah, <laughs> Listener, we appreciate you coming along for the ride. I hope this has been helpful for you. And are you sure you want to go down that path? <laughs> That's a great question to ask somebody. A great That's question. That's a great, to ask great. I love it. Yeah. Uh, are you sure you want that? Yeah. And, and then the question, the, the, the answer has to be, what would glorify God the most? Because what... God is most glorified in me when I am most satisfied in him, to quote a, a Piperism, but but the idea that that which is glorifying to God will always and every time be for your good. So when you hear the question, do you really want to go down that path? The response is what will glorify God the most? That's what I want. Yeah, that's a great Because it's answer. for your good, yeah.
Great answer. Listener, thank you for joining today. As I do, I invite you to continue to wrestle with these things. Open your copy of God's Word and uh, just let it lead you and guide you. Let it be a lamp to your feet and a light for your path. Psalm 119.105. And we look forward to catching up with you on the next podcast episode. Until then, God bless.